How many of you guys are thinking about the new year already? It's not too far away, by the way. It's not too far away. Uh, I'm thinking about it because here at Journey, we're going to be starting a new series in the book of Acts as we get into Journey. We'll be going through the book of Acts. I don't know how long it's going to take us. I don't know where it's going to take us, but it's going to be good. And then also, uh, just by way of announcement, starting, I believe it's January 17th. It's a Tuesday night. We've got four Tuesday nights in a row that we'll be doing a School of the Spirit class. So if you've ever you know, wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, we'll be taking four nights in a row to talk about that, to, to get into that. And I believe it'll be helpful, especially as we're going through the book of Acts together. So, uh, but right now we're in this series called God With Us. And with that, in mind, the first of the year in mind, you know, this is kind of the time of year when people start to think about New Year's resolutions and getting in shape and all that stuff. And the gym will be busy for 27 days before everybody quits. And then, you know, some of you guys who are like regular gym people, you just, you just stop going during that time because you know it's going to be busy and you'll just come back in February when it'll clean out again. But I was uh, thinking about that this week as this happened to me a couple years ago, and it happened to me again recently. I was running on my treadmill. Just kind of get this picture in your mind. I'm running on my treadmill. I'm going through one of the programs, and then I hit the fastest you know, leg of the run, and I'm just running you know, full speed on this, this program, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my treadmill just dies. Like, I'm running full speed, and it dies. So whatever chaos you can picture happening afterwards, you're probably pretty close. And, uh, but, but I was like, man, no pain. I just seen if you guys were with me, no pain, no gain, right? Well, there was a little bit of pain involved. And so I thought, well, maybe it's just a fluke. So I thought I would do it and you know, try again. Maybe that's just a fluke, fuse broke, you know, you know, broke or flipped, whatever. So I do it again. Same thing happens. And whatever chaos you can imagine, that was, uh, you can, you're pretty close, right? And because I was thinking, man, I've just got to go for it. You know, even if the treadmill, like I burn it out because there's that idea of no pain, no gain. But as I was thinking about that, I was wondering, going into this message, is that true of believers? Can we really say that statement as believers? No pain, no gain. I want you to think about this with me for a second. Because how many of you guys know we, we serve a God who's a God of miracles, right? Can somebody say amen to that, right? We, we serve a God who's the God of breakthrough, Right? We serve a God who works all things together for the good of those who believe in him. Can somebody say amen to that? We serve a God who turns curses into blessings. Can somebody say amen? We serve a God who the Bible says in Romans that there's not anything that can separate us from his love, not height, depth, not anything that can separate us from. So can we really say no pain, no gain as believers? And yet some of us are experiencing real pain right now. So how do we reconcile that, right, as believers? When we serve a God like this, how do we reconcile all this? Have you ever been to the doctor and you saw the little pain scale with the little smiley faces that turn into, like, screaming? And, like, every time I go there, I don't know which one to pick. It's like, I don't know how bad I, I don't know which face I am. And so uh, you see these new, improved, um, you know, pain scales. I, I got one uh, put up here on the screen for you. If you haven't, number one is, like, it might be an itch. Number two, I just need a Band-Aid. Number three, it's kind of annoying. Number four, well, and then another word of some sort up there, but number four, this is still concerning, but I can still work. Number five, bees. Number six, bees. <laughs> number seven, I can't stop crying. And number eight is I can't move. It hurts so bad. Number nine, mauled by a bear or ninjas. And number 10, unconscious. Like I, this scale resonates a little bit more with me. I can kind of pick it out a little bit better than the faces, right? 
And, and so even as believers, many of us might be experiencing some degree of pain, however we would describe pain. And in this, frustration can tend to set in to our hearts if we're not careful Disappointment can come because we just talked about how we serve God of miracles, breakthrough, blessings, over curses, works all things together for the good, nothing separates us, and yet we experience pain, and so frustration, disappointment, or possibly, as Chris preached last week in a couple of the services, he talked about how it's easy to become a disgruntled believer because of these frustrations that begin to mount. Well, there's an interesting story we're going to look at today. We'll be kind of anchored in, mainly in John chapter 11. And there's an interesting story that happens in John chapter 11. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. In verse 5, he, he gets some news. In verse 5 and 6, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So they kind of, you know, were kind of a, a, a group of friends that Jesus had. And it says, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill. So he gets this word that his friend is ill. And we know that from the context that he knows that it's bad, that it could lead to death. It says when he gets the word that his friend Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. You guys find this as a little bit of a contradiction, right? I mean, it's first it says that he loved them, but then when he hears about them being sick, he avoids them. <laughs> he doesn't come. In fact, it seems like he delayed intentionally, to not show up. In fact, we, we, as you read it further, it only starts to confirm the suspicions that, as if Jesus is actually not showing up on purpose. And so in the time that Jesus delays, Lazarus does die. In the time that Jesus is not showing up. And later on, we'll read in there that, that his sisters, Mary and Martha, they're saying, Lord, if you would have been here, this would not have happened, Right? So how do, we, how do we reconcile? Because we've got pain here, and when we say God is with us, and then we have things like this that seem to happen. Now, many of us know the end of the story, but can we just for a little bit suspend our knowledge of the end of the story and live in the middle of the tension for just a moment? Because some of you right now are in the middle of the tension. You're not in the end of the story. You're in the, you're in the middle of the tension. And so if you want to walk with Jesus, you've got to walk through the story a little bit and to go through what they were going through. Now, so can we really say no pain, no gain? <laughs> because that's kind of hard to say sometimes, right? Especially when you're experiencing real, real pain. But I want you to see that there's a common thread in what we said earlier, all that stuff about blessing over curse and working all things together for the good and the miracle God and the breakthrough God. You know what the common denominator in all of that is? Problems. There are problems in every single one of those. I mean, if God is going to be a God who blesses, there must first be a curse to overthrow, right? If God is going to be a God who breaks through, there must first be a wall that has to be broken through. If God is going to be the one who, you know, he, he works all things out for your good, there must have been some presence of some bad for there to be a good to be worked out in. For every you know, thing that tries to rise itself up against the knowledge or the love of God that tries to separate you, there must be an adversary at work trying to separate you. For every miracle, there must first have been a problem, right? 
And I've been pastoring for a couple decades now, and I've found something curious. To, uh, to me, it's, it, you know, maybe it's a, uh, you know, something to just kind of surprise you, but, but I found this, that everybody wants a miracle, right? How many guys? Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody here wants a problem. And I found that to be consistent throughout a couple decades of pastoring, that everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants a problem. And yet for a miracle to happen, there must first have been a problem. And, and so when we look at this, we have to be careful that whenever we have a problem, we don't allow our frustrations to be directed at God. Rather, we allow them to be directed at the enemy, <laughs> Because the, problem, the, the presence of the problem just means there's a possibility for a miracle. But don't let the presence of a problem let you get frustrated with the God you serve. Amen. And so they had a temptation, though, to be frustrated with Jesus. But look at this. It says in John eleven four. 4. But when Jesus heard, us, heard, heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is a case of Jesus knowing what's getting ready to happen. <laughs> he knows that this illness, even though Lazarus temporarily dies, does not lead to the end of his death. And he says, God is going to get glory. Now, we have to be careful with a scripture like this because some people want to start saying, oh, see, God put this sickness on Lazarus so that God can get That's not what the scripture says. It's simply a case of Jesus knowing what's going to happen. Because I want to make this clear, God doesn't cause all things, but God can certainly use all things. Just because things happen doesn't mean God caused them to happen. God may know they're going to happen, but God doesn't cause all things to happen. See, if you go down that road, then you have to go into causation of everything. And be careful how far you have to take that. But God knew, Jesus knew what was going to happen, and he says, this is not the end. The end is not death. There's something bigger that's going to happen. Now, what I'm about to tell you may shock some of you guys, and some of you may not want me to be your pastor after I tell you this. But I have a confession to make. I have not seen the series, The Chosen. <clears throat> How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys have seen? Okay. How many of you guys do not know what The Chosen series is? Okay. Some of, a couple of you. It's a, it's a series that they've made about Jesus, and everybody's raving about it and all that stuff for a couple of years, I think. But I still haven't seen any of it. So, well, I, I take that back. I saw this one clip that I'm getting ready to show you. Because I thought it was a great picture of what it's like for Jesus to come and enter into our pain seemingly when no one else does. To be able to walk into a situation that others might keep us at a distance. And for him to be willing to step into that. And I think it's important because I want you to know that in the stories in the Bible, again, God doesn't cause all things, but God will certainly use things for his glory. So here's the clip. Let's watch. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi you cannot. It's disease. You can't. Please. Please. 
Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. That's good, right? I'm so glad they spoke English back then so we could capture that, but... I want to see him do it one time like in a southern accent. That would be like fun to watch, but God doesn't cause, I don't know why I'm thinking that right now, but God doesn't cause all things, but God can certainly use all things. But in this no pain, no gain scenario, I want you to understand in some ways you control a measure of the gain in the pain. In some ways, because God never wastes anything, right? I mean, God never wastes any, anything that happens. But the question is, do we at some times waste things? Because the amount God is able to use our pain or to work in our pain is directly connected to how much we allow him to many times. And many times we're frustrated with God, but we're actually the ones that are not allowing God to work in our pain. We're actually becoming the barrier to the gain in the pain. And so if you want God to begin to work, if you're experiencing any pain right now, I want you to know that God can work in your pain. God is with you. But we have to cooperate. And so the first thing I would say is this. We have to discern the cause of our pain. Because we all have different levels of pain at times in our life. But look at this in John chapter 11, verse 11, as we keep reading the story. It says, after saying these things, Jesus, he said to them, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. <laughs> They're not getting it. <laughs> they, they've already identified two different reasons and causes for what's actually happening here. Which, by the way, we can tend to do when we're experiencing pain. We can start to misdiagnose what's actually happening in the pain. 
Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant just taking a nap, right? Then Jesus told him plainly, guys, Lazarus has died. <laughs> I just want to let you know, he's dead. And then Jesus says, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. Again, Jesus knows what he's getting ready to do. He's not being harsh here. He's actually just telling them uh, he he's knows what's going to happen. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. You ever have friends like this? It's like no matter what's going on, they find the worst possible scenario that they can come up with. And it's like Lazarus has died. Let's go so we'll die too, right? What is, what is going on here? Well, we all have default responses to our pain. If I were to hit your thumb with a hammer, most of you guys would say, ow, or some other choice word, okay? I don't know what it might be for you. Everyone is gonna have some response. Let me tell you something about the response. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. When that pain happens, you react. You haven't planned it. You didn't do any, you, it's almost as if you can't even control it because it happens before you even think about it, right? Because there's a default response built in for pain for all of us. So Thomas here, he has a default response to pain. As soon as he hears pain, it's boom, worst case scenario. The other disciples, they've misdiagnosed even what's happening. And so we have to discern the cause of our pain. We all have a, a, a default response. And here's the default response that most of us have. All pain is bad. And if our default response to any and all pain is that it's bad, then we will have pain avoidance at all costs. And as soon as we experience any type of pain, our default response to pain is that pain equals bad, and so we will distance ourselves from any discomfort, any pain, because it's our default response. Many of us don't even think about it or even realize what we're doing but we have a default response that all pain is bad. And so I distance myself from pain. But how many of you guys know there is good pain and there's bad pain? Let me, let me help you out in this. When I was younger, I used to talk about running. I used to run and I'd experience pain and I'd just keep running through the pain. Well, then I found out that some pains are injuries. <laughs> and if I keep running through the pain, I can't run anymore for a while. I have to take a seat for a while. But there are some, you know, so as I've, as I've gotten a little bit wiser, hopefully, I've started to recognize, is that a good pain or a bad pain? Bad pain means stop, but there are good pains. There are some pains that I need to keep running and push through. Why? Because as I push through that pain, I actually go higher in my ability. All pain is not the same. Some pain is different than other pain. But if you have a default response to pain that all pain is bad, then you will have pain avoidance at all costs. And many of us in this place are frustrated with God. We're frustrated with people because our default response to pain is all pain is bad. But there could be much more going on in our pain than we realize. There could be much more, many more possibilities than what we realize. So let me give you some questions to ask. I'm going to give you a series of questions that you can ask to help discern the cause of your pain. All right, you ready for this? You can write them down. I'll, I'll, go, I'll try to go not so quick that you can't catch it, but it's on the screen if you need it. So here's some questions you can ask to help discern the cause of your pain. Number one, is this pain the result of sin in my life? Because, you know, some pain that we experience 
is pain that we have caused through our sin. You know, there's a story of, of Moses and the Israelites in the Old Testament. Moses goes up on the mountain to go get the Ten Commandments. While he's gone, Aaron's in charge. The people say, we don't even know what's happened to Moses. Hey, Mo, uh, Aaron, make us a god so we can worship. We're, we're tired of waiting. The, and, and so Moses fashion, or Aaron fashions this golden calf. Moses comes down from the mountain. I mean, can you imagine? It's like coming home you know, with your kids. You left them for like a couple hours. You come home, what's going on here, right? Moses comes out, what's going on here? They're all dancing around, worshiping a golden calf. He's like, Aaron, what happened? Aaron's like, I don't know, you were gone. We didn't know if you were coming back. They, they gave me this gold, I threw it in the fire, and this calf came out. I, I don't know. I don't know, Moses. This calf just came out. You can read it. It's in, it's in the Bible. It's, that's not what he says, exactly. That's a quote. And this calf came out. And see, sometimes we're blaming other people and other things for sin that we fashion with our own hands. See, and if you don't understand the cause of your pain, then you'll end up blaming other people for the pain you're experiencing. You'll end up blaming other things for the very pain you're experiencing. You'll blame God for the pain you're experiencing. So is this the result of sin in my life? The second question is this. Is this the result of careless decisions? See, some of us are experiencing pain in our life because of unwise decisions that we've made. Because of careless decisions we've made. Because of flippant decisions, hasty decisions, unguarded decisions, not even necessarily sin, but decisions that, were, that we didn't seek counsel on, that we didn't follow, like we, did, we didn't do any of the process, but we just made a careless decision. And we found ourselves in a situation that was problematic and painful because of our careless decisions. Have you ever been there before? Certainly. Most of us have. We just don't hardly recognize it when it happens because again, like the first question, we want to blame other circumstances. Well, this is just what happened. This is just the way it always works for me. This is just, you know, we go out and we blow our money on something, and then we wonder why we don't have the money to, to pay for something that, that comes up a bill. Well, we, we squandered it over here, but now we're in the situation where we're like, oh, well, God isn't providing for me. But because of our careless decision over here, we've now found ourselves in pain over here. And we're blaming uh, other circumstances, right? This happens all the time. All right, is the, that was a very popular one. Let's go on to the next one, which will be even better, guys. It's going to be better. Is this pain the result of being in relationships with people? Because how many of you guys know there's just pain when you are around people? It's not because people want to cause pain. It's just because there are different personalities. There are different perspectives. There are different seasons. People, somebody may have a, be having a good day while the next person's having a bad day, whatever it is. And when you get around people, any type of people, you're going to experience friction. You're going to experience pain at times. And so some of us are feeling lonely maybe right now. Some of us can kind of get into that, that spiral downward where it's like, oh, nobody likes me. Oh, no, I'm not friends with anybody. I don't have anybody around me. And some of us, that's legit. But if you... <laughs> it's true. But some... And if you're in that situation and you're praying, hear me now, if you're praying for more connection with other people, don't pray for more connection with other people if your pain tolerance for being in community with people is low. Because if you get the answer to your prayer, what are you going to have? Multiplied pain. 
because there's more people. So recognize the cause of your pain. If the cause of your pain is you're not pleasant to be around, then change something, right? If, you're, if the cause of your pain is you're easily offendable, change something. If the cause of your pain is you just are in friction or you're in the wrong, whatever it is, recognize what it is and don't blame everything else, but just discern the cause of your pain. All right, uh, next one. Is this pain the result of obeying God? You see, sometimes we experience pain because we obeyed God. The Bible talks about taking up our cross. The Bible talks about sacrifice. And some of us, if our default response to pain is pain avoidance, then you will never fulfill the call of God on your life. Because obeying God many times costs you something. Many times obeying God is painful. But remember, all pain is not bad pain. There's some pain that's good pain. And obeying God, even though it's painful for the moment, even discipline from God is painful from the mo- for the moment, but it's a necessary pain. The Bible says, take up your cross. Don't avoid that kind of pain. All right, the next one. Is this pain the result of simply living in a fallen world? Because some of us get so frustrated. Well, why didn't God do this? Why didn't God do that? And all this type of stuff. This, this isn't heaven yet. I just want to let you know that. This isn't heaven yet. We're on our way there. Heaven is getting ready to come to earth at some point, but we're not completely there. And so sometimes we live in the tension and the mystery of the in-between. And sometimes you don't get the answer. And you just have to hold it up to God and say, God, I trust you anyway. Scott, I don't understand, but I'm going to live in the mystery of the in-between, and I don't understand, and I don't have the answer, and I'm just going to worship you by trusting you, even in the in-between, even in the mystery of not understanding. I'm going to worship you in that. All right, the next one. Is this pain the result of growing? Because you will experience pain whenever you mature, whenever you spiritually grow. It's like spiritual stretch marks. Sometimes you will mature and you will have to lose some things in order to go into some things. You, as you grow, there will be pain. I mean, you look at any, any child or teenager or whatever, as they're growing, they have what? Growing pains. They're not bad pains. They're just pain from the result of growing. All right, the next one is, is this pain, this is the last one I will hit, I'm sure there's more, but is this pain the result of having an enemy? Because we do have an enemy. The good news is, is we have the authority. So we can take authority over the enemy. So when we can discern the cause of our pain, now we can start to do something with our pain and properly process what's happening. But if our pain avoidance is, or pain default is all pain is bad, we avoid all pain, then we may misdiagnose what's actually happening in us. And if we misdiagnose what's happening in us, then we will have a wrong solution to a wrong problem. All right, the next thing is this. Discover the opportunity in your pain. Because if you're experiencing pain right now, chances are there is an opportunity that you've overlooked. Chances are you may be so focused on the pain that you're missing this, this opportunity from God. I, I'm always fascinated with this story. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel. They are doing what they're supposed to do, right? But then they find themselves in prison. They found themselves beaten. They found themselves at midnight. They've been beaten for preaching the gospel. They're in the inner dungeon. They're basically sentenced to death. We know that by, by what's happening uh, with the jailer in just a moment. 
but their, their prospects are not good at all. But then I was always fascinated because they're there and they're singing at midnight, right? It says that at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And I always thought, man, how amazing is that to be able to be in the midst of your worst pain of your life and be able to sing praises to God in the midst of it, right? And here they are doing just that. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were loosed and unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer almost kills himself. Why? Because in that time, if you were a jailer and the prisoners you were watching got free, what was going to happen to them now happens to you. And so he would rather die by his own hand than by what was getting ready to happen to Paul and Silas. So it must have been pretty bad, right? And so here's how I used to think it happened. I, I, growing up, I, I always thought that, you know, Paul and Silas, they're preaching the gospel, they get put in prison, they're singing at midnight, and as a result of their praise, God sends an earthquake and sets them free so that they can move along their merry way. And I used to think the earthquake was the miracle. But then one day I noticed something. When the earthquake happened, they didn't leave. Why? Why didn't they leave? I mean, if the earthquake is the breakthrough, if the earthquake is the miracle, if the earthquake is God delivering them out of the pain, why didn't they leave when the earthquake came? In fact, they volunteered to stay. The jailer thought that they were gone, but they volunteered. No, no, we're still here. We're still here. And here's what I believe happened. It doesn't seem like the earthquake's purpose was to set them free at all in the sense that we might think to be set free. It, the Bible doesn't even indicate that the earthquake was necessarily from God. It could have been a natural occurrence that day, but nevertheless, it happened. Timing is very curious here. So we, we have to think that maybe God had something to do with it, right? But the key is this. The disciples, whenever the earthquake happened, whenever the possibility came for them to be free from their pain, their first response was not to get away from the pain their first response was to look around and see if there's an opportunity. Their first response was to say, Jesus, what are you doing in this place and how can I be a part? Most of us, if the earthquake came and the bonds were loose, whew, we're gone, right? We're out of there as fast as we can. And we would be saying, praise God along the way. But it seems to be that God didn't send the earthquake initially to set them free. God sent the earthquake to give them an opportunity for the jailer to be saved. How many opportunities are we missing in the midst of our pain because we're just trying to get out of it rather than see the opportunity in it? Is it possible that right now there's an opportunity in your pain? And the disciples discovered that, that the opportunity in their pain was that they could see this jailer get saved. Lazarus' opportunity in the pain ultimately is to give glory to God. He didn't have much to do with it, but he was available, right? He was, I mean, he was obviously available. He's just waiting, right? And so as we walk through the story, we know, many of us know what's going to happen. We know that Jesus is getting ready to do something, right? And so 
I always like to help us visualize this. This next clip, I call this the off-brand, the chosen, or the generic version of the chosen, but it still tells the story, so you'll enjoy it anyway. Let's watch, we'll see what happens. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. So Lazarus comes out of the tomb. We know the end of the story, right? It's a, it's a good ending. A little perspective. You know, Jesus raised three people from the dead. Every single one of them ended up dying again, okay? Sometimes we get so focused on the temporal, we realize there's an eternal thing going on here, right? But the, the next thing I want us to catch here, the last thing is this. If you're experiencing pain, you have to decide to let Jesus enter your pain, and this is what happens in the story. I really believe it's, it's one of the main points of the story because it's really quite fascinating. In John chapter 11, verse 34, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, this is at the tomb, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, watch this, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. It says, And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Then the shortest, what we call the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus wept. The question is, why did Jesus weep? If Jesus knew what he was going to do, in fact, he already told the disciples the end. It's not going to lead to death. Jesus knows the answer. 
Jesus knows that mere seconds from this moment, Lazarus is going to come out of the tomb. Why would Jesus weep when he knows what's coming next? I believe, this is probably a lot of different reasons for this, but here's what I believe. I believe the reason why Jesus weeps when he knows what's going to happen. Jesus weeps because he knows that in that moment, things are not how they're supposed to be. And in that very moment, even though he knows how the end will be, he decides to enter into the present moment from our perspective of our pain just to be with us. So even right now in your pain, I want you to understand, it's good to know that Jesus knows the end, but it's also good to know that Jesus is entering your pain even on the present moment of the timeline. And he's with you. You know, we, how many of you ladies were at the ladies' event this, this week, earlier this week? Many of you were. I was here too. I was back there at the sound booth. So I was outnumbered, by the way. But I walked in as they were preparing for it, and Becca saw me, and it was a lot of chaos going on that day. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you're here. Your, your presence calms me. How many of you guys have people in your life that do the opposite to that, right? You see them, and all of a sudden, woo, you know, you're up here somewhere, right? Evidently, I had the opposite effect, but that made me think about something. Because over the years as a pastor, I've done a lot of funerals over the years. And for whatever reason, over the years, I've done a lot of tragic funerals. I mean, suicides, a young woman who had cancer and died, um, car accidents, drug overdoses, loss of children. Like, I could go on everything you could think of, I've probably done a funeral like that. I, I just don't get the ones who like, they live to be 100 years old, they serve Jesus all their life, they close their eyes, they open their, uh, up in heaven. I don't get those for some reason, right? But what happens, so, so you got to imagine that when Becca and I go into these situations, there's just drama, trauma, crisis, chaos happening in these situations. I mean, you, you can't imagine just walking into these situations over and over and over again. And as we do that, though, Becca, my wife, she enters into the, to some degree, into the emotions that they're experiencing. I mean, she will cry with them. And I found myself over the years like, I didn't do that. <laughs> I would come in and I would be calm and, and steady and, and not disinterested, but I, I just wondered, I thought there was something wrong with me. Like, how can I go into all of these extreme situations and not be seemingly visibly shaken or moved by that. And, and I thought there was something wrong with me for a long time. I was like, is there something I'm not getting? And, and I talked to my friend Tom Buckle. Some of you guys remember Tom and Linda Buckle who went here for a while. Tom was a pastor years ago, and I was, I was talking with him about this. I was like, is there something wrong with me? And he said, no, 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 no. He said, there needs to be somebody in situations like that who is a calming presence that people can look to and say, things are going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. And it was as if God was giving me a supernatural grace to be a steady in the midst of chaos. And so when Becca and I go into those situations, it's like we're representing multiple aspects of God as we come in there. She's able to do what Jesus did and to, to weep with them. But how many of you guys know that the Holy Spirit is our supernatural comforter? and a steadiness in the chaos, right? And this is what God with us means. If, if you are 
going through pain right now, you have to understand that God wants to be with you. And if we've misdiagnosed our pain, we haven't seen the opportunity in our pain, it's quite possible that we've kept God at a distance because our default response to pain is to avoid it, to not think about it, to not go there, instead of allowing the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come in and to be with us in the midst of it. See, uh, a couple, couple years ago, we have a, a group of people that play basketball here at Journey. We, we will go and, and play basketball. And a couple years ago, uh, I don't do it anymore because I was just beating them all the time. And I just, I just got bored. I, I just, I, of course, I'm kidding. But um, one day I was, I was playing and, and I, was, I was on defense and I reached my hand out just in time for another guy who just threw the ball as hard as he could in a pass and, and it caught my, my finger. Right as he, and, I, and something happened in that moment and I knew it wasn't good. And, and I was like, oh my gosh. And, and so, but the, it actually broke. Later on, it was confirmed that it was broken. Good news is, continue to play and we won the game, okay? That was the good news. I just held my pinky out as we shot, but it was, it was good. It ended up good. But what happened is for the next several weeks, you know, when I come to church, it would start to feel better, but then I would start to shake hands because you shake hands at church, Right. And by the time I'd get done with the weekend at church, my hand would be like reset back to, I'd be back, you know, like to the pain again, and I would never heal. So for weeks, it would like, I'd, I'd start to get better, and I'd come to church, and it'd get worse, because I'd shake everybody's hands. And I found myself avoiding shaking certain people's hands who had extremely strong handshakes. <laughs> Till eventually, I stopped shaking hands with people altogether. This is what we can do with our pain at times. We experience pain to the point that we, we eventually, we just start to disengage more and more and more because it seems like the more we engage, the, the, the more hurt that we are. And, and what I want to say today as we wrap up is like, what if we put an x-ray over your life right now? What pain might we see? And the question is, if we found some pain, what are we going to do with the pain? Are we really going to take it before God and discern the cause of our pain? And be honest about that. Am I just causing this pain? Is my sin causing this pain? Is this a result of a fallen world? Is this a result of just being in a relationship with people? Is this a result of me obeying God? Is this the result of my careless decisions? Is this the result of, of the enemy? Like, what is it, God? Instead of me just pushing away pain and blaming everything and getting mad at everything because I'm experiencing pain, am I really going to take it to God and say, God, help me discern the cause of my pain? And then am I going to go to God and say, God, what is the opportunity in my pain? Because sometimes our opportunity could be as simple as choosing joy over pain. It could be as simple as recognizing that we're now in proximity to someone else to minister that we weren't before. It could be that this is to the glory of God in the end. We just don't, we're not at the end yet. But we, we have to discern the opportunity in our pain. And so as the worship team comes back, I want to do something that I just kind of saw in prayer. And this happens from time to time. I'll just see things like this in prayer as I'm preparing for a service. But as we come to the close of the service here, I just felt like maybe somebody needed an opportunity to just have a moment with God. And so we're going to open up what we call the altar area. It's not really a fancy altar area. It's just the spot in front of the stage. But... We're going to open up a space that I believe there's something about responding. There's something about taking a moment, like whenever you feel a nudge in your spirit or whenever the Holy Spirit convicts you or confirms something in you, to respond in some way. And I think it's helpful if we do that. And if you just need a moment in the presence of God where you can just say, God, I'm letting you enter my pain. 
And I can tell you that when God is entering your pain, it's not for the purpose of allowing you to sit there and wallow in your pain. It's for the purpose of saying, we're going to make it. We're going to be all right. This is not the end yet, but I'm here. We're going to make it. It's for the purpose of him entering your pain to say, I see you, I know you, I care about you. But he's there to be your supernatural calming presence. And there is no other way that you can have that happen. There's no natural thing that you can do that can get you what the presence of God can do. There's no bit of good news that can give you what the presence of God can give you in the lack of news. The question is, do we believe that? It's really a question of do we not believe that, but do we believe God? I don't say that to bring condemnation. I say that to bring an encouragement that the longer I'm living and the more I'm following Jesus, the more I realize that I have a choice to make. Is this true or not true? And if I say it's true, am I going to fully lean into it as truth? Because in crisis times, I found, especially I talk about funerals, People have two options. They lean fully into God in that time or people start to push away from God. And it may be a slow push, but it happens. And everyone who's experiencing pain right now or struggle, I just want to encourage you, there's no better place than God's presence. There really isn't. There's nothing, there's, if whatever pain you have right now is alleviated apart from God's presence, you will find yourself in another situation very soon that you will have another decision to make. Am I going to trust God's presence? Am I going to step into it? Am I going to allow him to step into mine? Because at the end of the day, that's the only solution. It's really the only way. And so my, my encouragement to us is why not do it now? Why live another day without leaning into the presence of God? I mean, why would we live another day we're trying to manage our fears and manage our pain apart from God's presence. And so, would you stand up with me? I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna just sing this song. I don't care, I'm not trying to get anyone to come down, okay? You can do this right at your seat, and that's just perfectly fine. I'm just being obedient to what I saw. And so, um, if that is meaningful to you, then you could take advantage of that. and. No usher is going to come and make you go back to your seat. He'll just give you some spot, some time there at the altar. God, we just, we invite your presence. Holy Spirit, let your calming supernatural grace come right now. In the midst of our chaos, the midst of our pain, whatever it is, well, we invite you. Say, you're welcome. You're welcome. Would you come in this moment and do in us what no bit of good news, no bit of situational turnaround, no bit of alleviation of pain could ever do? Would you come with your presence right now and bring your comfort? We invite it in Jesus' name, amen.